Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Alike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT. WSBTradio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time audience! Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Hi, everyone. Eight minutes after 5 o'clock, Budweiser's weekday sports speed on this Wednesday, September the 21st of 2022. Our program tonight will wrap up at 6.40 because it's the final game of the South Bend Cubs season tonight, and it's a dandy. The Midwest League Championship is on the line, deciding game three, South Bend at Lake County. Pre-game at 6.40, first pitch at 7 o'clock here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We've got plenty of Notre Dame football talk to get to on the program tonight. The Fighting Irish are one and two and getting set to go to Chapel Hill to take on 3-0 North Carolina Saturday. Kickoff at 3.30 here on WSBT Radio. Pre-game coverage starts at 9 a.m. I hope you'll join me and Blue and Gold Illustrated's Tyler Horka for Game Day Sports Speed powered by Michelob Ultra. Saturday from noon until 2.30. Plenty of X's and O talk on that particular show. So Tyler and I will talk it up. Tyler will be in Chapel Hill. His eyes will be on the field as he's talking with us on game day sports speed. So if anything breaks, Tyler will be on top of it. That's game day sports speed powered by Michelob Ultra. Saturday from noon until 2.30 right here on WSBT Radio, WSBTradio.com, and our free WSBT Radio app. On the program, we have our Twitter question of the day coming up in the next segment. Also on the way, you'll hear from Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman discuss this high-powered North Carolina offense averaging 50 points per game led by a very good-looking young quarterback in Derek May who I think got the old Carolina-NC State rivalry taken to another notch because he said, well, people that go to state can't get into North Carolina. All that goes over well 
in Raleigh. So that just adds a little extra juice to Carolina and North Carolina State later on this year. Also coming up on the program, we will talk about five keys for the Irish defense to have some success against North Carolina on Saturday. You'll hear from North Carolina head coach Mac Brown. Mac Brown is 71 years old, his second time with North Carolina as their head coach. He will talk about the missed opportunities for Carolina the last two years against Notre Dame, playing Notre Dame a third straight year, and he's trying to get the point across to his football team. Forget that Notre Dame is one and two. Don't talk yourself into that this Notre Dame team isn't very good since they are one and two. That's maybe a tough job. But you'll hear from Mac Brown coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. We'll reset where the White Sox are with 14 games to go. And, well, the sports wagering segment has been a disaster this week. We'll try to do something good tonight with our picks. So, away we go. 5-11 is our time. The program is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. And our first pitch tonight centers around the Fighting Irish offense as they look to find their identity. Look to become more of a consistent offense with... A new quarterback, Drew Pine, getting set to start his second consecutive ball game. Drew Pine got off to a really difficult start against California last Saturday. It did not look like he was going to settle in. You wonder what the offense might be able to do. And it took, whether it's coincidence or not, I guess, a tongue lashing from offensive coordinator Tommy Reese on the telephone to wake up Pine, or maybe he shook down the thunder or shook down the nerves of Drew Pine. Because after that stern conversation, Pine went 14 out of 15 throwing the football. My suggestion in Chapel Hill before the game starts, do the same thing. What do you got to lose? There's been a lot of focus on the video. What I'm referring to, if you don't know, during the NBC broadcast on Saturday, there was a shot of Tommy Reese, that camera that is down and to his left, and they caught Tommy on the phone using some choice words, telling Drew Pine to wake the blank up. And blank and blank and blank a couple of more times. Pine took the coaching well. He said he didn't mind. He wanted to be coached hard. He told Tommy Reese at the start of the week, coach me hard. Well, if screaming at your quarterback and using choice words is hard coaching, yeah, Drew got plenty of that. So last night, Tommy Reese met the media, and he was asked about the video I'm describing where he gives an awfully good tongue lashing to a starting quarterback. Here's how Reese describes that whole situation. And you know what? It kind of worked out okay. Certain guys need certain types of coaching in certain moments. Um, not proud of the language I used, but uh, I know Drew can 
seek out and handle tough coaching and things to, to kind of light a fire and create a sense of urgency. And so in that moment, we felt like it was the right thing for the right player. And, um, you know, he responded the way we counted on him to and proud of him for that. Not proud again, not proud of my language, but, you know, proud that Drew and I have a relationship where uh, there's an immense amount of trust and he knows that um, when urgency needs to be reiterated, it can be, and, and our players trust and respond the right way. Okay, let's add another element to this conversation. Marcus Freeman admitted on Monday he gave Drew Pine an awfully good tongue lashing. Not sure that was caught by NBC. Not sure of the remarks, if he used the same adjective to describe the situation like Tommy Reese did. But hey, Marcus had a similar stern conversation with his starting quarterback. On this subject, the video, the language, the yelling, Tommy Reese has nothing to apologize for. He apologized for his language. Do not apologize about anything. Tommy Reese did nothing wrong. It's okay to raise your voice. These are big boys. I think they can probably handle a stern word or two. Hey, it worked. Pine settled down after that. Heck, I remember 10 years ago sitting here, frustrated as can be with many Irish fans who were upset that Brian Kelly's face would get red and he would scream in the face of Tommy Reese. I don't have a problem with it. You have to be who you are. That's what I said that day. That's what I'm saying today to Tommy Reese. Be yourself. Don't change for fans. Don't change because there's a camera in your face. Be yourself. If you need to yell, you need to scream, you need to use a couple of choice words, who cares what everybody else thinks? If it helps your player, if it gives your football team a better chance to win, then do it. Heck, I'm kind of disappointed. Brian kind of caved in. To a lot of you upset he would get so mad and red-faced. He kind of backed off as the years went on. Now, granted, he won a lot more games and didn't have as many reasons to get as fired up as he did early on. But you got to be yourself. So, Tommy, no need to apologize about the language. It happens. Many of us, at times will use some language that may not be appropriate in my job on the air can't do that i have a rule once i walk into a radio studio got to keep it as clean as can be because you never know when accidentally a microphone was left on or you put down a book on the microphone button and all of a sudden you don't know you're on the air and you are not that i curse like a sailor when i'm outside of a radio room but Hey, things happen from time to time. I had a couple of choice words coming out of my mouth earlier today dealing with the situation. But Tommy's just coaching him hard. And obviously, it did the trick. So, Tommy, if you have to do it again, do it again. Don't worry about anybody else. My suggestion is if I'm going to have a conversation like that from now on, I very... Nicely take off my hat and I put it over the camera. I do what I need to do, and when I'm done, 
I take the camera, the hat, back on the head, business as usual. TV doesn't need to see everything that goes on. Sure, it's great TV. It was kind of cool to see that. Now, personally, what's kind of funny is I'm saying Tommy has nothing to apologize for, but in the moment when it was happening, my first reaction was, if I'm coaching, I don't know if I jumped down his throat like that because the kid was obviously rattled, nervous, excited. Maybe putting your arm around him and talking to him for a second would settle him down, but I was dead wrong. Now, maybe that still worked, but Tommy's way worked just fine, so we'll go with that. Tommy, use your hat. Cover that camera up. You know what? It's always easy to say, oops, I'm sorry later. I apologize. Sorry about that. Will never happen again. My hat just accidentally fell off and landed on the camera. Tommy addressed it. We move on. So what is a Drew Pine game in the future going to look like? I had someone direct message me just about 20 minutes before the game started, a national personality asking me for my take on this game. And I simply said this. I believe Notre Dame is the more talented football team. I believe North Carolina has the better quarterback and the quarterback that is able to make more plays for his football team. Other than that, this game makes me very nervous because I don't have a feel for it. I don't know how good the Irish offense is going to be, despite the fact Carolina's defense is lousy. They've given up 11 touchdown passes in three games. They have given up well over 200 rushing yards to their last two opponents. App State had 288. Georgia State had 235. They're giving up 4.6 yards per carry. That's 101st in the country. But Notre Dame's only averaging 117 yards per game. That is number 102 in the country in rushing offense. Notre Dame has not turned over the opposition yet. Well, they kind of did against California in the closing moments, but never got it done. So I don't know. I told him this is a coin flip. If I'm looking at it from a point spread perspective, last time I saw I've not looked today, Notre Dame was favored by one. I mean, flip a coin. Because one of the issues for me is, A, Notre Dame is still looking for a more consistent effort, close to a 60-minute football game being played by this team, and I don't know how good Drew Pine can be. What is his ceiling? What we saw on Saturday, they wanted him to throw the ball short. Did not take any chances throwing the ball down the field. That was one of my concerns going into the game. An interception or a bad throw or two deep down the field. Didn't have to worry about that. Everything was thrown right around the line of scrimmage, and you know what? That's smart. First couple of games, I wanted the ball to get out of the hand of the quarterback quickly. Get it into the flat. Let these guys make plays. Styles and Lindsey and Tyree. We saw a little bit more of that against California. Now, teams are going to try to sit on those. Can you take advantage by throwing over the top of the defense? I don't know. If Drew Pine is down by 
14 points in the third quarter. How does he handle it? What does he look like? I don't know. I mean, he was down three in the fourth quarter against Cal. Irish outscored Cal 10-0, so offense did what it needed to do. So that's kind of the mystery of this game. Carolina has shown us nothing other than mediocre defense this year. But the Irish offense has not been hitting on all cylinders. I think the positive sign is, according to Pro Football Focus, the three best graded offensive players against Cal were offensive linemen. Number one, left tackle Joe Alt. Number two, left guard Jared Patterson. This might surprise you. Number three, center Zeke Carell. Out of the 19 players graded, 18th was right tackle Blake Fisher. More good news. The running backs graded out very well. Audric Estime was four. Chris Tyree was five. 22 touches for Tyree in the ballgame. But it all comes back to Pine. Who is he normally? Can this style passing attack work the next few weeks, including against the upper-level competition, Clemson, BYU, then late in the year against USC? I just kind of like to know who Drew Pine is going to be weeks from now. Heck, I'd like to know what he's going to look like on Saturday. Marcus Freeman on if there is more to Drew Pine's game than we saw Saturday against California. Yeah, I believe he can open the, the, the passing game is what I think you're talking about. I think he can open up the passing game. He's got a strong arm. and, and But what we were trying to do Saturday is getting what we needed to do to win. Um, and and that's what we ended up doing. But hopefully the second half is is a better indication of who Drew Pine is. You know, he is uh, he's a passionate dude. And, and sometimes that can be your almost your, your biggest challenge as you look at the start of the game. I think maybe sometimes he's so excited, so anxious that he was, you know, making throws a little bit lower than he usually does or maybe a little bit higher than he usually does just because of the game. And for him to calm down and, and really be like, Drew, go play. Go play. Do the things that you've done to get you to this point and go play and to see him settle down and, and turn around and execute the, you know, the one, I think about the third and three catch on third down to, to Lorenzo Styles and to throw the ball away from the defender. And those little things, man, are, you know, just take the, take the layups that they give you, you know, and there was a couple early in the game that we were missing. And so um, I have a lot of confidence in Drew running this offense and being able to throw the ball downfield if we need to, um, depending on what the defense is doing. And, making the right decision. All right. You heard Marcus there. They're confident in Drew throwing the ball deep down the field. Didn't have to against California. Game plan worked well. They got the victory. They got just what they needed out of Drew Pine. But this game just feels different. I really like the Irish defense. But Carolina is going to make plays in this game. Derek made quarterback Josh Downs coming back. Their top wide receiver had 10 catches against the Fighting Irish last year. They're going to score points. Can Notre Dame? Now, they don't want to get into a shootout. They don't want it 45-44. I'm not sure that's going to end well for the Irish. They can keep it in the upper 20s, maybe low 30s. You know, you got a great chance 
to win this football game. But if Carolina starts rolling, they're putting up 40 points. That is danger time for Marcus Freeman's team. So against Ohio State, week one, Marcus Freeman demanded a running game, a conservative approach, run the clock, keep Ohio State's high-powered offense off the field, and for a long time in that game, things were going very well. 7-3 Irish late in the third, ended up losing 21-10. That was an extremely conservative game plan with a first-time starting quarterback in Tyler Buckner. Now you got Drew Pine and the Irish going up against a high-powered North Carolina offense averaging 50 points per game. So Coach Freeman, Andy Chance, you're going to modify the offense and possibly dust off that Ohio State game plan. Yeah, I, I haven't studied them enough as a team yet to, to make those decisions, and those are things we'll, we'll discuss as a coaching staff as we continue to evaluate and continue to game plan. You know, the, the, the game plan versus Ohio State was, was specific to Ohio State. We'll look at where our team is now and, and who we're facing offensively and defensively, right? Some of those decisions are because of both sides of the ball. Um, and so, you know, listen, we know they're explosive offense, and we, we just obviously don't want to get into a shootout. Um, and I don't think anybody in our program wants to do that, you know, especially not the defensive side of the ball. And so we have to find ways to stop them. You know, not just limit their their opportunities, but we got to find ways to stop their offense and and be creative in terms of our plan defensively and uh, offensively. We got to be able to control the ball, and but we're also we got to score some points. You know, it's not I don't expect it to be a seven to, to ten game at the end of the third quarter like it was at Ohio State. You know, this is going to be a game that we're going to have to score some points, and we're truly going to have to limit them defensively. Well, at first he kind of mentioned, eh, we're still trying to figure it out, but at the end, you heard what he said offensively. We need to control the ball. And you know what? That's not a bad thing because, as I mentioned a moment ago, Carolina has been atrocious against the run. App State put up over 600 total yards against the Heels, 288 on the ground. And as I mentioned, their last game two weeks ago at Georgia State, 235 yards allowed. Mac Brown was not impressed with the Carolina offense against Georgia State. I think he kind of felt like they were reading their – Newspaper clippings a little too much and was not happy with the way they turned the ball over, and they still scored 35. Don't you wish an off day was 35 points right now for the Irish? Now, they were only playing Georgia State. That might have a lot to do with it. Run the ball. Take advantage of that Carolina defense. If you had an experienced quarterback, and maybe Drew Pine can do this, but I'm just saying if you had an experienced quarterback, a comfortable quarterback in a game, they can throw the deep ball. Just imagine the possibilities. Running the ball down their throat, then play action, getting the ball deep down the field, that extra safety coming up to stop the run. Then all of a sudden you can go deep and go for the big play. Will Notre Dame be willing to take the handcuffs off Drew Pine in this game to take advantage of those possibilities if they come about? Which I think they will. I think the Irish running game will be Vitally important and very effective against North Carolina. So, Heels, bring up that safety a little bit. Man, just send Lorenzo Styles. Let him go. Just let him fly. How about Chris Tyree on a wheel route? Big plays possible for the Irish in this game. You can be conservative, but you can also be creative while being conservative. 
That's what I said after Ohio State. I had no problem with the conservative game plan. I understood what they were wanting to do, and it almost worked. But you can also be creative while being conservative. So what about the Irish? Going back on the road for the first time since losing at Ohio State 21-10 in the opener, Marcus Freeman was asked, why is his team in a better position to succeed with this road challenge compared to the one in Columbus? You know, I think we're, we're developing identity, but, you know, if you think offensively, now you were developing identity after two games and then you get a new quarterback. But I, I love the the adjustments and, and really how we're able to execute, um, obviously, more proficiently in the second half of, of the game. And so they'll know the expectations going on the road. A lot of these guys that are, are playing for us have been to Chapel Hill and played at North. There you go, Marcus Freeman. Talking about his team ready to roll in Chapel Hill. All right, 531 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett, Budweiser's weekday sports beat on WSBT Radio. More from Coach Freeman coming up as he tells us a little bit about this high-powered North Carolina offense. Coming up next, it's our Twitter question of the day, 28 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. On your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. 537 at WSBT. Sports Beat rolls on on this Wednesday evening. Frustrating game for the Chicago Bears and their fans Sunday night as Green Bay defeated the Bears at Lambeau Field. A lot of frustration for Bears quarterback Justin Fields. Over the first two games, he has only thrown 28 passes. Against Green Bay, 7 of 11 for 70 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception. Hard to believe you only have 11 attempts in a game you lose by Double digits, you're thinking they're throwing a lot in the second half. Not the case with Chicago. And Fields caught a little heat after the game for making this comment as he brought Bears fans into the conversation. I mean, it, it hurts more in the locker room than the Bears fans. I mean, because at the end of the day, they're not putting in any work. Um, I see the guys in the locker room every day. I see how much work they put in. So. So that was Fields trying to say the Bears fans, you know, they're passionate, but they don't put in the work like we do, but they do put in work every day to make enough money to go see you play or buy merchandise, buy NFL Sunday ticket, NFL Red Zone. And as you would expect, there was some pushback by Bears fans. Well, Fields met the media today and wanted to readdress what he said at Lambeau Sunday night. You know, I was I was mad after the game and I mean, I'd, I'd like to address this now to get everything cleared up, but, you know, there was a thing that I said on Sunday after the game where I said, you know, um, the fans don't put in work. And when I was, you know, first off, um, you know, I was frustrated after the game. So, you know, number one, I didn't want to come and talk to you guys. Um, I wasn't in the mood to come and talk to you guys. So, um, you know, I should have did a better job explaining what I meant by that. But um, what I meant by that was I'm talking about work, you know, regarding uh, the 
game on Sunday, winning the game. You know, I don't know any fans. I don't know what they're doing in their personal lives. Um, and I respect every fan that we have. I'm, you know, glad that we have fans. So, um, you know, I would never disrespect, you know, anybody on what they do or what they love to do. Um, and, you know, that was, you know, it came off like that. And, of course, you know, some social media outlets, they, you know, quoted my quote and, you know, they got a big buzz out of it. So, uh, of course, they did a great job doing that. And, of course, social media is going to do that. But, yeah, I just wanted to clear that up right now. And, you know, now back, now back to the question. I'm sorry. I just want to. Well, you can't duck out of this by saying, oh, well, social media just took advantage of this. You said what you said. I don't think it was anything too elaborate, but I can understand why some people took it the wrong way. When in doubt, keep the fans out of your comments. And you know what? You're going to have to put on your big boy pants because you might have more of these disappointing losses, and you got to face the media. That's part of being a quarterback in the National Football League or a quarterback at the collegiate level. You're going to be focused upon. You're going to be a face of this Bears franchise. you got to be ready to talk. Good times and the bad times. But how about 28 throwing attempts for Fields through two games, 15 of 28, only completing 53% of his passes for 191 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Cole Komet's been very quiet. They have Darnell Mooney, and we talked about this this summer, just not enough weapons around Justin Fields and probably going to hold the Bears' offense back this year. All right, 540 at WSBT, but Notre Dame well represented on that offense. Sam Mustafer, Equinemius St. Brown, Cole Komet all started for the Bears at Lambeau Field on Sunday. Bears and Texans this Sunday, 1 o'clock kick on our sister station, Quality Rock, Z94.3 FM. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Our Twitter question of the day yesterday was, Lorenzo Styles is Notre Dame's number one wide receiver. Who do you believe will be the number two wide receiver by the end of the year? Twitter allows you four choices. Here were the four choices. Number one, the grandpa of the wide receiver room. He's been around here a while, Braden Lindsey. Second choice was sophomore, Jaden Thomas, a lot of hype in August, quiet in September. Sophomore Dion Colsey, injured in fall camp, just rounding back into form. And the fourth choice is freshman wide receiver Tobias Merriweather. You voted on my Twitter account at 960 Sportspeed. Here are the results. Fourth place in the voting. At 17.4%, JT, Jaden Thomas. It's not been much of a factor so far. Caught a lot of attention with his play in August, but right now just not consistently translating to the field in September. Third in the voting at 18.8% is sophomore wide receiver Deion Colsey. I expect him to get a couple of more opportunities as he continues to put that knee injury behind him, which occurred late in fall camp. Saw him on special teams last week. Lorenzo Styles is Notre Dame's number one wide receiver. Who do you believe will be number two by the end of the year? Second place in the voting, all reliable. You went with veteran Braden Lindsey. 
who got 27.5% of the vote. And winning the vote, the guy that you believe will be the number two wide receiver by the end of the year is the freshman, Tobias Merriweather. This might be a situation where choices one, two, and three have been out there. Colsey not as much, of course. And you're not seeing results, so let's go with the guy who has not been out there as much. That is Tobias Merriweather, who has great upside, don't get me wrong. But a true freshman, he wins the vote at 36.2%. Thank you so much for voting. Now let's introduce today's Twitter question of the day. Today's question is this. Should Notre Dame add a quarterback through the transfer portal next season? Pete Sampson from The Athletic asked Marcus Freeman about the transfer portal at the quarterback position on Monday. And head coach Marcus Freeman got a little confused. He thought Pete was asking about this offseason. Pete was actually asking about the last offseason. That gets straightened down as we go on. But here's Freeman first talking about grad transfer after this year at the quarterback position. About after a season, you know, and, and – see what Tyler Buckner is coming back from injury, see, you know, we got a, a long season ahead of us. We still got nine guaranteed games in front of us to, to evaluate Drew and Steve Angeli and, and Ronnie Prowlis. And, and if that's a position of need that we need to go and get a high school quarterback or get a, a transfer quarterback, we'll, we'll definitely evaluate that and make that, that decision. I meant last winter. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If, if this was a conversation you guys had as a staff. Yes. Like, okay. We discussed it right when I became the head coach. I had conversations with, with Coach Reese about it, and um, we felt like at that moment we did not need to get a college transfer. Hmm. Okay. Well, again, Keaton Slovis says Notre Dame was the first team to contact him. Marcus Freeman says they chose not to get into that transfer portal for a quarterback. But what about after this season? What do you think, folks? Should Notre Dame add a quarterback through the transfer portal this coming offseason. You can vote right now on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Going to take a quick look at the voting so far today. A lot of people voting and interesting results. I'll just leave it at that. We'd love to get your opinion. Again, sign into Twitter and check out 960 Sportsbeat for our Twitter question of the day. Results coming up on tomorrow's program. 546 at WSBT. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google play. Now back to local sports talk on sports beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. It's a 3.30 kickoff in Chapel Hill on Saturday. 1-2 Notre Dame taking on 3-0 North Carolina. The Heels coming off a bye week. The Irish coming off their first victory of the year, rallying in the fourth quarter to post a home win over California, 24-17. Of course, here the game right here on WSBT Radio. Paul Burmeister will have the call of Fighting Irish Football from North Carolina. 
Well, the Heels have Derek May at quarterback. They've got wide receiver Josh Downs apparently coming back from injury. It's an offense that right now is clicking at over 50 points per game. Yeah, I guess they had an off week against Georgia State two weeks ago, putting up 35. They had 63 against Appalachian State on the road, winning by a pair. Same Appalachian State team that went down to Texas A&M and won as a 19-point underdog and needed a Hail Mary to beat Troy in Boone last Saturday. Well, we thought maybe the North Carolina offense would take a step back this year with four-year starter Sam Howell going to the National Football League. It's tough to replace a guy like Howell and his veteran presence, his understanding of the offense. But his backup, Derek May, last year has taken over the reins of the offense, and they are rolling along just fine right now as he has thrown 11 touchdown passes with only one interception, and May is completing 74% of his throws, leading this Carolina offense to a 50-point-per-game average through three weeks. Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman on the Carolina offense. Yeah, um, shoot, after last year, I mean, you know, we know we we're going to face a, a really good offense last year, and they, they put up a lot of yards against us, a lot of points. Um, coach Longo's a guy I met when, even when I was at Cincinnati. Um, I met him my first year when I was there, and, and a guy that I've had respect for and followed kind of just throughout his coaching career. Um, Listen, they're a talented offense, and they have a veteran offensive line group, you know, with a couple guys that transferred. This quarterback is playing really, really good football right now. And I know he's a young guy, but he is playing as good as any quarterback in the country. And, you know, I, I, we expect Downs to be back um, from injury. And so, listen, we got our work cut out for us. Um, they're going to try to take advantage of what you give them defensively, that's what um, they're able to do. And, and they're going to go at different tempos and they're going to make you get lined up fast. And that was something last year we weren't able to do. And so we have to be prepared and have to make sure we have a good plan to, to try to limit what they do offensively. Yeah, part of the plan is knowing where Josh Downs is. Again, it's not played the last two games due to injury. Nine catches in the opener against Florida A&M. Ten catches for 143 yards against the Irish last year. He did not find the end zone, but, man, he sure set up his teammates pretty well. I don't know if you can completely shut down Josh Downs. He's a, he's a really good football player. I don't love hearing a stat line of 10-plus catches and 100-and-something yards. It's too much as a you know defensive as former defensive coordinator, it's still a lot. You know, I don't care how many touchdowns you have. You're putting your offense in position to score touchdowns if you're doing that. So we can't do a let Josh Downs get his. We got to find ways to try to, you know, limit his catches and, and what he does after the catch. That's probably the most dangerous thing Josh Downs does. You get the ball in his hands and he makes people miss and he takes a three yard gain and makes it a 20 yard gain. And so that's going to be a huge challenge for us, you know, and how we're going to defend that, who we're going to put over him, what coverages we'll play on him. But, uh, you know, he's a talented football player that we got to be aware of. Well, the Irish are going to face some really good wide receivers this year. Smith and Jigba and Harrison from Ohio State. Downs on Saturday, way down the line. Addison for USC. Some good challenges for the Fighting Irish secondary. A secondary that had freshman Benjamin Morrison in the starting lineup at corner with Clarence Lewis coming off the bench. Morrison has really come on strong, 
for this Fighting Irish defense since arriving to get ready for the season in the summer. Not an early enrollee, but here we are, Morrison, gaining a lot of playing time from head coach Marcus Freeman. But to gain the confidence of your coaches to, to go out there and be a starter in game three, um, it's kudos to him. You know, he's he's done a great job in practice. He has to continue to get better. The other guy, though, in that same breath that I got to mention is C. Lou, a guy that has been a two-year starter. But all of a sudden, you're not starting this game. And for him to step up and make some big plays, he missed the one, the one sack that I was giving him a hard time about. You know, and that's just been his nemesis, that corner fire, man. It's like the couple big play, big play on him last year and obviously missed a sack this year, but um, this past game. But but for him to come and make some big plays and to step up and like that's what that's that's to me, if we can be a team made up of guys like that, that, you know, we're all individual competitors. We're, we're competitors. We want the most. But to be able to say, OK, Coaches made a decision to, for what's best for the team, put the team first. But when I get my opportunity to go capitalize off of it, man, that's a great example for everybody in our program. That C. Lou, a guy that started for two years, did not start this past game for Ben Morrison. And when he got in there, he took advantage of his opportunities and played really high football. Like That, to me, is an example I want everybody in our football program to understand that it's not about if you're the starter, if you're not the starter, if you're getting the same amount of reps this week as you got last week, it's like, what do you do with those opportunities that you're presented with? And uh, Ben Morrison's a great example of that and, and Clarence Lewis. Well, I think we're still kind of waiting for that big Brennan Jacobs moment where you know he makes that play at safety that kind of like, wow, wow, that's the guy we got from Northwestern. Solid play so far, but kind of still waiting for that breakout moment. From the Irish Safety 557 at WSBT. Sports B brought to you by Budweiser, the King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this buds for you. By South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Also, we're being brought to you by. Tim Ground State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. I think I said Brandon Jacobs. That's the old Giants running back. I'm sorry, Brandon Joseph is who I was referring to. My apologies. My brain got scrambled for a moment. By Midland, the Giants are dominating at 2-0 right now. How can we not talk about the G-Men? Midland Engineering Company beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation granting a better future. Barnabies of Mishawaka and Granger serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana, September is Hunger Action Month. How will you choose to help end hunger? Learn more at feedindiana.org. Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, or new beginnings have happy endings in Four Winds Casinos. Your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. Straight ahead, a Sports Center update, and then you'll hear from North Carolina head football coach Mac Brown. This is Sports Beat on WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Touchdown, Chris Tyree! Yes! 98 yards! 
on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wide open, touchdown Notre Dame, Lorenzo Styles. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Thanks for sticking around. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat live on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and the WSBT radio app. Mac Brown, 71 years old, already in the College Football Hall of Fame, led Texas to that terrific win over USC to win the 2005 National Championship at the Rose Bowl. This is his second tenure at North Carolina, he's won 93 games as head coach of the Tar Heels, including leading Carolina to a 3-0 start to their 2022 campaign. This is the third straight year that Notre Dame and North Carolina have played. The Irish have won the previous two, including 44-34 last year. And Mac Brown talked this week to the Carolina media about some missed opportunities against the Fighting Irish. We've been in a position the last two years uh, to, we, we were down by seven here two years ago, and um, they ended up scoring with about five minutes left to, to beat us by 14. Uh, we didn't make a first down the second half. We, we've been really good around here offensively. They completely shut us down better than anybody that, that we've played uh, since we've been here. And, and then last year, we were down by four with a chance to win, and they broke a 91-yard run. Um, which you just can't have happen. You, you, we had a, a fourth and we had a three where we stopped them, get off the field, but we have a face mask um, on the other side of the field with uh, with a different player. So um, we, we've got to be tougher, uh, be more confident in the fourth quarter, and we've got to finish stronger. So another opportunity for Mac Brown's team to go up against Notre Dame. Two of the three games in Chapel Hill, including the game on Saturday at 3.30. And here's Mac on playing the Fighting Irish once again. You love to play a national brand. It helps your program, and, and it, it, it obviously is fun for our, our fans to, to go to Notre Dame or have them come here. And We're one of the three ACC teams that have played them three years in a row now. That doesn't happen very often, so we were very, very fortunate even with the COVID year that, that we got them on the schedule. Uh, but I'd, I'd love to play Notre Dame every year. Great thing for the ACC about the Irish being affiliated with that conference in football. There are a lot of game day Saturdays in ACC stadiums where the stadium is not full. Notre Dame football alters that. For all the teams that Notre Dame goes to in the ACC, all of a sudden, they might have anywhere from a half a stadium to three-quarters of a stadium with one opponent. Notre Dame comes to town, and the stadium sells out. Notre Dame is really good for the ACC. I've always felt like the ACC needs Notre Dame a whole lot more than Notre Dame needs the ACC. But, hey, good for the ACC schools when Notre Dame comes to town. It's good for their pocketbook. The Irish are 1-2. Lost to Marshall. If you're a North Carolina player, you're probably thinking, hey, this team's been to the playoff a couple of times, but now they're 1-2. They lost to Marshall, who lost to winless Bowling Green last week in overtime. And they struggled to beat probably a middle-of-the-pack Pac-12 team in California. 
Can the Heels be overconfident going into this game? Mac Brown has talked to his team about not overlooking the Irish. Don't look at one and two. What I'll talk to them about tomorrow briefly is that uh, they played Ohio State, who may be the best team in the country. So watch that video, and it was a great game till the end. And, and don't take that for granted. And then I don't think there's any question they would tell you they weren't as excited about Marshall. And when we stand around, you can get beat. And it was close and it was tight, but you, you can't let a team like Marshall hang in there until the end because then they get excited and the pressure gets back on you. And then with a new quarterback, they beat Cal uh, on Saturday. So um, they're, they're really uh, a team in my mind that's one and one and, and played one of the best teams in the country in, in Ohio State. And uh, there was a, a learning process with that second game. Uh, so I think it's the same old Notre Dame. They're going to run the ball and be physical and not make many mistakes. And they're really strong in both lines of scrimmage. And the quarterback played much better the second half. Um, and, and he's a guy that we have known in the past that's uh, very talented. Um, but you're, you're going to have to play a great game to beat Notre Dame. There seems to be a couple of teams on that top tier, Alabama and Georgia. I would say Ohio State is not on the same tier as of right now. They're probably a step below Alabama and Georgia. You look at the rankings, there's a handful of teams that just look a whole lot better than everybody else. And that's something Mac Brown talked about this week. It was really interesting to get his perspective as a longtime head football coach. He became a head coach for the first time back in 1983. He discussed this week, you just have to be ready every week. There just aren't as many pushover games as there used to be in college football. It's really crazy that when you see a, a Georgia Southern upset Nebraska and then they get beat by UAB, and then you see a Marshall upset Notre Dame and they get beat by Bowling Green, and you see an App State upset Texas A&M and they had to have a miracle to, to survive with Troy at home. So um, more than ever before, I'm seeing that one game doesn't seem to carry over to the next and that it's hard for young people to get ready to play each week. And the teams that play the best are, are going to be the ones that do that. And they've got to be player-led teams. And, and you've got to separate game for game and just get ready to play the, the next week and move forward. We didn't play as well offensively at Georgia State as, as we had. Now, we scored 35 points but lost three turnovers and didn't make a fourth and two. Um, and and I've, I've, I've saw it during practice. I felt it during the week that they were so full of themselves that they were moving the ball and scoring points that we, we didn't practice as well. And defensively, we didn't play well in the fourth quarter at App State, so they practiced really, really well and, and therefore played better at, at Georgia State. So uh, that's something that uh, I, I don't know if it's a transfer portal. And so many teams, everybody's got a quarterback now because you can find one. In many cases, people didn't have them. Now, just if you sit and watch TV games, well, he's a transfer from here, and he's a transfer from here, and, and that's just what's happening in, in college football. Um, and the other thing is, is it absolutely matters that the, uh, a lot of the teams that don't have a lot of guys go to the pros now have so many fifth, sixth, and even some seven-year players. So you've got 24-year-olds playing against 18-year-olds, and it's different. So I, I think we're seeing more upsets because of that. We're, we're seeing everybody 
maybe the, the top eight is separated by talent. Everybody else seems to be about alike. Hmm. Interesting comments from Mac Brown and his thoughts on 18-year-olds playing against 24-year-olds. Coach, been there, done that. Being in hockey, East, that's something Notre Dame had to deal with quite often. Mac Brown, head coach of North Carolina, became a head coach in 1983. Marcus Freeman was born in 1986. 6.21 is our time. More sports beat on the way from 9.60 a.m. WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Rosario, and they're not even there! Moncada wasn't at the bag, and Rosario will score from third. How about that? They've got him. They're not even thinking anymore. They've given up right there. Moncada oh. didn't move. Oh. Well, there they know. You keep the front. They've done it all year. And you know, I'll tell you what, you, you fall asleep and you snooze, you lose. And that's what happened right here. Cleveland Guardians TV, the audio courtesy as the White Sox were down 9-5 in the 11th. And then, as you heard right there, stealing third base were the Guardians. And Yohan Moncada was about 10 feet from third base, never reacted till the very last second. And Zavada's throw went right over the bag down the left field line. Almost sort of symbolizes this 2022 season. For the White Sox, as the Guardians scored five in the 11th, and they beat the White Sox last night in a key, key game in the AL Central. And we enter tonight, which is game two of the three-game series at guaranteed rate field between the Guardians and the White Sox. Cleveland is 81-67. and 67. The White Sox are 76-72. and 72. And now the Guardians have a five-game lead on the White Sox with 14 games to go. The Guardians' magic number for winning the AL Central is down to 10. That number is reduced by one anytime the Guardians win. Also, it goes down by one when the White Sox lose a game. So, for example, if the Guardians win tonight, the number goes from 10 to 8. Also, with the victory last night, Cleveland secures winning any tiebreakers against the White Sox due to head-to-head competition this year. So the best the White Sox can do coming out of this series would be being three games back with 12 games to go. They're going to have to win tonight and tomorrow to accomplish that. Now, you had Dylan Cease going last night. That's a game you feel like you got to win. Advantage Sox in the starting pitching category against Aaron Savalli. Tonight, you've got Lance Lynn taking on a very good right-hander for Cleveland, Tristan McKenzie. you got Lucas Giolito on Thursday. I think with Lucas, you just never know what you're going to get from a White Sox perspective. So the White Sox have stumbled all year. They had a chance to, I guess, kind of salvage everything by sweeping this three-game series against Cleveland and got off on the wrong foot last night, falling to the Guardians in extra innings. And unfortunately for the White Sox, they have a better chance of winning the division than getting into the postseason as a wild card team. As I mentioned, they're five behind the Guardians. They are five and a half out of the final wild card spot in the American League. And there is still another team in between that number three wild card team, the Mariners and the White Sox, and the team sandwiched in between the two are the Baltimore Orioles. Right now, the Blue Jays 
lead the wild card chase at 84 and 64. They are two games ahead of the second wild card team, Toronto, who is 82 and 66. The Mariners are two and a half back at 81 and 66. So the Mariners are the last wild card team right now. Orioles five back, White Sox five and a half back, and the White Sox elimination number from the wild card is one lower than it is for the division. Right now, the Sox elimination number for the wild card sits at nine. Strange year. A lot of injuries, I know, but this team has not played solid baseball all year long. And you wonder if there are changes coming with the White Sox. Will they make a move at GM? Will they move away from Tony La Russa, which seems like the most likely scenario? Miguel Cairo has at least made this team more competitive, and they've looked good, except for last night in extra innings, it looked rather ragged. But the White Sox are going to have to do something. This team was built to win now. They have a lot of really good parts in Aloy Jimenez. Luis Robert has not had a home run since the All-Star break. I think already he's got like two RBI in the last month or two. Now he's been injured a lot. You've got Moncada, who was supposed to be a key piece in the Chris Sale deal. He has never really sustained, I would say, success on a consistent basis. He just hasn't become that superstar player. You know, they have a, a decent rotation with Kopech and Lynn and Cease, but this is a team that not, should not be four games over 500 right now as we head down the stretch in the pennant race. So the White Sox are really up against it now. Things are not looking good for the division or the wild card, and it's up to Lance Lynn to try to get things back on track after the frustrating loss last night. Lynn and the Sox hosting the Guardians at guaranteed rate field. So as of right now, the postseason in the America League, the two teams that would have a bye in the first round, the Astros and the Yankees, it would be the Mariners at the Guardians in a best of three and the Rays at the Blue Jays in a best of three series. Coming up in just a moment, our sports wagering segment. We going to Sizzler as we continue on with Budweiser's weekday sports feed on your home of the Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 